Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson vill jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Karlsson, Karlsson, Ben. Thank you so much, Elon. I am very happy to be here. Of course, you, uh, as you mentioned, I, I've been doing the uh, Beat Writer interview series uh, on the feed most of the summer already. Uh, you told Lewis and I at the end of last season that one of us had to stay uh, in the, the short shifts lab through the summer. And so I've been uh, locked up here, obviously growing my hair out and just, uh, just trying, not to, uh, trying not to let you down. Well, you definitely haven't. I've been really enjoying having you captive and getting all these great tidbits from all the people you've interviewed. And yeah, it's been a real fun blast listening to you doing these interviews. If people haven't been keeping up, like, I don't know what to tell you, but you've been missing a lot of good stuff. Most recently... Ben talked to Jesse Marshall about the Penguins. Uh, there was a really good one with Arthur Staple about your favorite New York Rangers. Uh, Alan Mitchell about the Oilers. It, it's been a really fun ride. Also, I had that one with the coy- about the Coyotes, which, by the way, I don't know if you listened to it yet, Ben. I, you know, you never know. I, you always think that a Coyotes interview is going to be like five minutes long because who's there to talk about? There was some spice when we got to Jacob Chikrin. Like, that was an unexpected, very interesting part of the podcast. It, it almost seemed like Craig Morgan was was personally not happy with, <laughs> with the, how things have been going down. So, uh, anyway, that's what's been in the past. Also, recently, Brian and I did a podcast where we talked about some of the players who people are predicting are going to be surprises to us come a year from now. People that we're going to be talking about, we did not expect the season that they just had. And Ben and I are going to build on that because we're going to more specific now in this show, just look at players who we expect to have different point paces from last year to this year. We're looking at, you know, it could be for whatever reason. It could be because of a situation change from over the summer, like they changed teams. It could be because something on their team changed. They're going to have better line mates. It's just a, it could be a hunch. We could just be like, I think all of a sudden Martin Nachas is a, is a superstar now and he's just been holding it back. Like whatever the reason, uh, we're going to get to it. So Ben and I are just going to go back and forth one by one until uh, we run out of time. So that's the plan for this show. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Before we get to that, a couple of announcements. First of all, Keeping Carlson very proudly presented by DauberHockey.com, the number one fantasy IQ website out there, and the makers of that amazing Dauber Hockey guide, which we're going to be giving away some copies of that guide. Uh, so stay tuned to the end of the show where we'll tell you how you can enter the, what is it, a raffle? What do you call it when it's like on Twitter and it's like people have to tweet at us with a hashtag? Uh, do you call that still a raffle or do you need paper to have a raffle? I think it's just called a giveaway. A giveaway. Yeah, we're having a giveaway. Or a contest. 
Don't skip ahead to the end just to get your dauber guide. I'm not going to put in the show notes so people won't know it's coming. And then they just like go, you know, and download the show. I guess a download's a download, right? Why am I being picky? Anyway, that's announcement number one. Announcement number two is the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, the Cuckupful, this league that we painstakingly put together every year and try to make the best experience for people playing in it. It's coming up. Like we're going to be drafting in less than a month. Uh, the deadline to register to play in the Cuckupful is September 8th. So all you got to do, if you're not registered yet, if you're a patron, it's easy. Just go, there's a Slack channel called Cuckupful Registration. It tells you everything you need to know. If you're not a patron, keep in Carlson. Become a patron. We give you a ton of perks, including participation in the Cuckupful. By the way, the Cuckupful, this like tiered league, uh, if you've never played in it before, you're going to start in the bottom tier, but still against a great competition because it's patrons of Keeping Carlson. And then if you win, you're going to climb up. And before you know it, you'll be playing uh, against people like Ben and myself to claim the title of best fantasy hockey player in the whole freaking world. Well, maybe by then I'll have fallen off, but uh, you'll, you'll at least be playing Ben on your way to the top. And yeah, we've uh, announced a couple cool rule changes for next year. Uh, it's all described in the discord there but uh, one big fun one is this third round reversal I think Brian and I talked about it on an episode where now the third round of the snake draft is flipped so that it's not as big of an advantage to go first overall Anyway, there's a lot of stuff. We're talking about it on the Discord. So become a patron at keepingcarlson.com slash patron for just five bucks a month. You'll get in the couple. You'll come hang out in our Discord for the season. So we'll be able to help you in your leagues. Uh, you are going to get access to our patron cast, which we do once a month and some other perks. And you're supporting our show. So if you like the show, you want to join a new league, five bucks a month. What is that? A cup of coffee. What do people say? A cup of coffee a month. That's enough. Come on. Okay, so anyways, that's my uh, promotion there by just yelling, come on, at the listeners. Uh, But yeah, once again, that's September 8th. You've got to be registered to guarantee yourself a spot. If you're listening to this, you can be in. We'll make room for you, but uh, you got to register by September 8th. But okay, with that, Ben, let's get into it. Let's get into our lists here. We've both compiled this. We haven't talked to each other in advance, so we could have all duplicates here. Since you're the guest, guess first, why don't you throw at me the first player that you think is going to have a different point pace from last year, this year? Okay, I, I'll i be honest with you, Elon. This one is a cop-out answer. I'm not going to, it's not going to be all cop-outs, but I just had one honorable mention that I don't consider part of my regular list, but because you're throwing it to me off top, I'll, I'll mention them at the top. Um, this is a player who would have been on my list, uh, Max Pacioretty. Uh, I'd have probably forecasted <laughs> him down from the, just from his team swapping. Uh, obviously, the torn ACL means that it doesn't really matter, and, and it's going to be very tough to project. Like, it, Who knows what he'll do when he comes back from the torn ACL, like probably in January or February. But um, one thing I wanted to say about uh, Pacioretty that I was, I've been reflecting on since I chatted with Jesse Granger for the, uh, the Beat Writer series is I, thought, I started thinking about this trade through the lens of the P.K. Subban to New Jersey trade where everyone was like, oh my God, look at this absolute fleecing by the devils. And then we find out, oh, P.K. Subban is not the same guy anymore. There are some injuries that are going to linger and, and keep him from ever hitting the, that level that he hit when he was one of the top five or, or top three defensemen in the league for a period. Um, I think there may have been some concern in Vegas about Pacioretty's health prior to this trade. And so um, I just am mentioning him as a, an honorable mention, not obviously because of the injury, but just that I, I think that prior to this, he would have been, uh, he would have been on my list. 
Interesting. Okay, so I guess with Pacioretty, you're saying that you even thought before the injury he wasn't going to be able to keep it up. The thing is, last season, it's not like he had the most amazing year. Like, he started really strong, and then after he came back from his injury, he wasn't as good, and you could blame it on the injury. But of course, you could then say that that injury will continue, and now he's got a whole new thing that he's dealing with. And so, okay, it's fair enough. I think the one interesting thing with the Pacioretty injury news is that Carolina, of course, lost Vincent Trocek to free agency in the offseason, which which then, you know, Pacioretty came in. So I was just thinking, okay, I guess the power play is, you know, no big change. Like no one remaining on the team gets an improved opportunity because Trocek leaves, Pacioretty comes in. Now, all of a sudden, you know, obviously we're going to have Aho, Teravine, and Svechnikov. That's three of the people on the top power play. I assume Brent Burns, unless, you know, you're, you're a Jacob Slavin truther is going to be the defenseman there. But there's still a forward spot, which now is like up for grabs. And I don't know, like, I guess Seth Jarvis got some runs last year and he's someone who's an up and coming prospect that maybe this year he'll be able to break out a little bit with an improved opportunity. He played a lot last year on the first line with Ajo. Uh, and then you've also got the aforementioned uh, Martin Nechas, who last year got some really rotten deployment by the end of the year and wasn't sniffing the top power play. I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think those are the top two contenders to start the year on PP1. So I'm not going to add them to my list because I'm not like so confident even on which one it'll be. And maybe it'll switch back and forth. But I think both of those guys now are worth watching in training camp to see who gets the top power play, who gets a top six spot that they maybe wouldn't have gotten because, you know, it's a pretty plump spot with a lot of good players on that top power play along with whoever gets there. So, yeah, I think probably it's Seth Jarvis. That that would be my, my inclination and my expectation. Um, one note I'll make is that like prior to this past season, Jordan Stahl was infuriatingly a fixture on that top unit. And God, wouldn't that be just like an NHL coach <laughs> Come on, no. to put a Jordan Stahl like <laughs> yeah. just to in the bumper spot or whatever and just uh just to mess with everybody drafting and getting excited over Seth Jarvis? I'm not saying I think that'll happen, but like I will just note that like 2021 the this man, Jordan Stahl, had more power play minutes than uh, Marty Natchez, uh, you know, the guys who we were hoping would would get that shot. Yeah, I guess stranger things have happened. Uh, I hope that that's not the case, like you say, because it's not like we're going to start recommending for people to go and grab Jordan Stahl. So I'd rather it be someone more exciting. I guess uh, Kakaniemi is there. A lot of people are saying he's going to take over as a second line center. So maybe he's, I should at least mention him as a possibility. So we don't know. Okay, Pacioretty's injured. We're going to see what the Hurricanes do. But okay, so that was your honorable mention. Does that mean it's my turn? Do I start the official list since Pacioretty was your honorable mention? I could. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You should start because you have a few uh, based on the conversation we had prior to this. It sounds like you have a couple more people than me. Anyway. I've un- I've unlimited. I could go all night. I'm going to go until you tell me, Elon, I got to go. <laughs> okay. Uh, but okay. well, I want to do an honorable mention now. Okay. Just for fun, since you did. Okay. How about uh, David Krejci? I just want to throw him out there. He had okay. a zero yeah. point pace last year because he left town went back to his home country and played there and did pretty well. Uh, but the previous year, when he was in the NHL, back in 2020-21, which isn't that long ago, it was just two seasons ago, he had 44 points in 51 games. That's a 71-point pace, nothing to sneeze at. He really took off. If you recall, that's the year that the Bruins traded for Taylor Hall at the deadline, and he and Hall played together on the second line and did really well together. So now David Krejci is coming back to the Bruins. First of all, Marshawn is injured for a little while to start the year. 
Fisher, which isn't good news, obviously, but it does increase Krejci's chances of being on the top power play to start the year. Plus, I'd imagine they're going to want to see how he gels with Hall, considering they did so well before. Last year, it was Hall, Pasternak, and like a Haula on that second line. Imagine Pasternak is on the second line with Hall and Krejci, leaving Bergeron to play with DeBrusque and whoever. I don't know. Maybe it becomes a more defensive line while we're waiting for Marshawn to come back. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the lines, but all I'm saying is I think David Krejci is going to be a top power play guy and probably will play with at least Taylor Hall, maybe someone like a Pasternak even on that uh, line that he's going to center. So I'm not saying he's going to be insane. I'm not going to say draft him as a 70 point guy like he was a couple seasons ago, but I'm not leaving him undrafted in my drafts. Like if he's available and we're coming to the end and people have been sleeping on him, I don't see why he can't be a 60-ish point player, at least to start the year. And then we'll see, you know, when Marshawn comes back, if then all of a sudden posture, you know, like things change, he's off the top power play. Obviously, you can reassess. I'm not saying draft him as someone that's a guaranteed hold all year, but I think Krejci will definitely beat the zero point pace from last year. As an, So he counts as an honorable mention and he's definitely someone on my radar in my drafts if he falls far enough. Yeah, I would swing on david Krejci in like the last two or three rounds of a draft um i'm i'm a little bit less excited about him just based on like you said i don't or i to answer like your thought about what they'll do with uh, patrice bergeron in the interim while brad marchand is out i think he plays with david posternak I, I think that this is probably a situation where they split up posternak and hall to give the top line an actual top line flair. Like I don't see a situation in which uh, Bergeron is skating around with scrubs. That's there is no point in the Bruins doing that. Uh, just wasting Patrice Bergeron essentially. Um, so I, I do think that that probably hurts Krejci uh, in the short term. Um, I think he can be a, a 60 point guy, but really not a shooter really not a guy who like is going to uh, be worth rostering when he's not putting up points. And that, that scares me a little bit. I'm getting vibes of like when Jonathan Taves missed a season and then we all got excited about Taves coming back uh, (laughs) as a guy who is 34. And like, you know, the last time we saw him, he was a 70 point guy. Like, why can't he do that again? Um, And in this case, it's, he's two years older than Taves. Obviously, a lot of miles on David Krejci has been in the league for, I don't know, 15, 16 years. Um, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not as bullish on Krejci. I would give him a shot late because of the, like you said, the deployment is there where he could be somebody who's worth rostering for sure. Um, and that's what the last few rounds are for is to take those swings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can see, I can definitely see why, uh, why you would mention David Krejci. And I, I'm not trying to poo-poo him off the table. Yeah, yeah. And, but uh, to be fair, also, while D- uh, Jonathan Taves missed a season because he was injured, uh, David Krejci missed a season because he was over in Chechia putting up 46 points in 51 games. So I'm not saying that means he's necessarily still in NHL shape like the way he was before. But, you know, I, a, a reason to be a little bit more confident in him than someone like Taves. Maybe we were too confident in someone who hadn't played. You know, Sagan's also someone who missed a lot of time and came back and wasn't the same. So I guess we sort of have to make a difference between coming back from injury versus coming back from like playing in a different league. But OK, so now we've both given an honor honorable mention which means we're back to you ben for the official like because this is i I don't even know why we need honorable mentions because this list isn't going anywhere (laughs) like it's not like like, i mean (laughs) any player we talk about is just a player we talked about on the show but uh Mm -hmm. the official number one from ben even though it could be in no particular order who's someone that you think is going to be a lot different from last year this year 
Oh, by the way, can I just correct one thing really quickly? Uh, I'm seeing in the chat here that people are making fun of me because I made a mistake. Or maybe they're not making fun. They're just trying to be nice and help me. But I said Slack and not Discord. Yeah, we're on Discord for the patrons. We're not on Slack. It's not work. You don't become a patron and then we like make meeting requests and stuff. Uh, you know, I so, do. Oh, okay, yeah. If, if you hang out with Ben in Discord, then it's like work. But uh, yeah, so it, we have a Discord, not a Slack. But okay, Ben, number one, who is it? My number one is the number one player on the Cupful mock drafts uh, so far this season. I'm I'm picking Connor McDavid, uh, which I feel like is also a name that I am feeling a little uneasy about bringing up on this show because he was the Art Ross winner last year. 44 goals, 123 points in 2022. 44 of those points on the power play. Uh, if you listened again to the uh, beat writer interview that I did with Alan Mitchell, low tide uh, of the athletic mentioned that he wouldn't be surprised if Woodcroft split the power play time more evenly next season, uh, which would be negative for McDavid's point totals for sure. But I actually think McDavid has a chance to approach that 150 point pace that he we saw him hit in the COVID shortened season, 2021. Um, basically, if you look at these underlyings, McDavid shot at his lowest shot shooting percentage in six seasons, lowest on ice shooting percentage of his career last year. Uh, most of the game is played at even strength. So I see not not just the, the, the power play points going down, being out, offset by variance and, and shooting percentages going up. But I, I like McDavid as a as somebody who can put up, you know, like 140 points, 150 points. And and that, you know, for the sake of even though he's still going to be, I guess, going from like number in this hypothetical going from number two in average, a couple points to number one, like the point pace itself is still a pretty significant swing that, that I'm projecting here. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good pick. Also, you just take a look at the splits. He ended last season with 33 points in 19 games. That's around the time that Evander Kane came into the picture. I'm not saying it's like he needs Evander Kane to be successful, but obviously that helps. And that's someone that now he's going to be able to play with this season. So maybe he keeps that up. And uh, yeah, that pays for those last 14 games is around 142. You said 150, but definitely yeah, higher than the 125. So yeah, I don't know how actionable this advice is, because I'm sure people aren't going to necessarily be like taking him higher than number one, but uh, good to plant a flag there. My turn to pick someone, and I'm going to also look at someone who, uh, like, I'm looking at the splits, and I'm seeing someone who had a very different second half than his first half, and I'm going to predict that that's going to continue, especially with a new coach, and that is Nikolai Ehlers on the Jets. So overall, Ehlers ended the season with 55 points in 62 games. It's a 73-point pace, down from his 80-point pace the last season. If you look at... The start of the year, he did not that well, right? 13 points in his first 21 games. After that, over a point per game for the rest of the season, including 22 points in 20 games to end the year. 11 goals in those last 20 games, like over 40 goal pace. Now, the thing with Ehlers is always, man, if only he could get on the top power play. And I'm not, I don't want to I don't want to say predicted because, you know, we predicted every year and it never happens. But we've got a new coach. It's not Paul Maurice. It's Rick Bonus. I don't know. Does Rick Bonus like Ehlers? Like, how could you not like Ehlers? Every time I talk to Murata Tesh about the Jets, he's always telling me that Ehlers is their best player. If I was the coach of a team and I thought someone was the team's best player, I'd put them, I'd put them on the top power play. I don't know. Like, just a thought. So I think maybe this year there's more of a chance than last year. 
Uh, so I think that would help a lot because if that season that he had an 80-point pace, that was with only 13 power play points. So, you know, if he could get on the top power play and put up similar power play numbers as a Kyle Connor, I don't see why he can't be similar to a Kyle Connor. And Kyle Connor is obviously going in like the first round or two of drafts. Nikolai Ehlers probably falling to like four or five. Actually, I should bring up Kevin's uh, mock. We've been doing mock drafts with the patrons and our awesome couple commissioner Kevin has produced a spreadsheet of ADP. So I'll bring that up next time Ben is talking. But yeah, for those reasons and more, give me Nikolai Ehlers to get back to being a point per game player next year. Maybe more if he gets on the top power play. So just to just to answer for you, because I, I am a professional. I had uh, Kevin's spreadsheet open. Uh, Kyle Connor going at the top of the second round, 15th overall. Nikolai Ehlers going 55th overall. I agree with you completely, Elon. I think that I think that this is a really good one. And not only that, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna double down on this. I'm gonna say that if you can get Kyle Connor and or rather if you can get Nikolai Ehlers in the fourth or fifth round, you have the potential of winning your league right there because the upside of a Nikolai Ehlers playing 20 minutes a night, 19 minutes a night. Uh, under Rick Bonas and on the top power play is that he could be a 120 point player. Uh, he put up four shots a game last year, career high, uh, was playing 18 minutes a night for the first time in his career, has been playing just 15 or 16 minutes a night, the three or four seasons prior to that under Paul Maurice. So I feel like there's a lot of tread left on a 26 year old Nikolai Ehlers tires. And uh, I really like this, uh, this choice, Elon. I think that's a, a very good place to start. Wow. You know what? I really loved your choice, Ben. Uh, so uh, who are you going with your next pick? All right. I'm going to take another player who I think, again, is going in the top couple of rounds, but who I think is maybe, I, I mean, I guess I'm just following the exercise here, right? Brady Kachuk, 30 goals, 67 points in 2022, picked up to the pace as the season goes on after missing training camp with the holdout. Uh, you could already talk me into him improving on last season just based on the fact he had that nice jump in points as a 22-year-old uh, who's now going to get a full training camp in. But I also think with Ottawa making the moves that it made this offseason and particularly adding Alex Dabrinkit, Brady Kachuk looks to me to be one of the players who will have the biggest uptick in points in 2022. Going to get Dabrinkit at even strength and the power play in addition to playing with Josh Norris, who I think if you... Are, if you listened to, uh, for example, my interview with Ian Mendez, we talked quite a bit about Josh Norris as somebody who is one of the league's best young shooters, uh, one of the best shots on the power play. I think that Alex Dabrinkit going to Ottawa could be a bit of a downtick for him, but I don't really see a situation in which this is a bummer for Brady Kachuk. He still had a bunch of shots, a bunch of hits. He has top five upside in all formats. And at this point in the offseason, he's mocking right behind Kyle Connor, second pick in the second round at 16th overall. So really like that type of value for Brady Kachuk. He's a guy who at the back of the first round even, I think is has the uh, the possibility of being a huge steal. So do you mind if I ask you to give a point projection? Because, yeah, the exercise is yeah, people that sure. are... Yeah, so he, he paced for 70 last year, right? 67 mm-hmm. and 79. You're thinking 80? I'm thinking 85 points. Oh, boy. That would oh be boy. huge. Hey, I mean, he ended last year 23 points in his final 20 games. And, uh, you know, so if he could just keep that up, then he'll he'll beat that and, and more. 
So bold picks. So far, I guess, I guess you haven't made such bold picks, but I guess you have, depending, depending how you think of it, right? Like McDavid and Brady Kachuk, two guys who people are already super high on. And, but maybe the bold thing is saying they're even better than you think they are. So yes. cool. Well, yeah, I'm probably being overly literal with this. I'll go bold next. Don't worry. I, I, got, I got one in the chamber for you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with someone who also I think everyone likes, but maybe people are more down on than they should be. He's not someone who's being drafted like you know, in the first couple rounds of these mock drafts. That's Elias Pettersson over on the Canucks, who last year, overall 70-point pace, meh, you know, the year before 66-point pace, although he only played 26 games before that en- injury that ended the season. The year before that, he was an 80-point guy, and we were expecting him to only go up from there. You look at last year... Again, like an Ehlers, just not like nothing was working for Pedersen to start the season. Only uh, 22 points in his first 42 games. And then all of a sudden for the second half, it was like he was a completely different player. He had 46 points in his final 38 games. So well above a point per game. This is a guy who like has spent a lot of time with Brock Besser. And we talked a lot about Besser's struggles last year. And in my interview with Harmon Dial, he talked about how Besser was dealing with a lot of off-ice issues. And he's expecting Besser to come back better, which I think is going to be better for Pedersen. Uh, so actually, you know what? Add Besser. This is like a, two, a twofer for my pick here. I'm going to say Pedersen and Besser. Because Besser actually last season only managed a 53-point pace. So I could see him scoring some more goals, getting back up to like a 65. And then I think Pedersen should be back at point per game or higher. Uh, Patterson, he's got all the skill in the world. He's still only 23 years old. And yeah, what we saw at the end of last season, I think is more representative of what he can do. Hopefully, you know, I don't know, like, you know, there's been these weird COVID years, right? You know, like people are not being able to train maybe as much as they can. Patterson was coming off of that injury going into last season. So I'm just going to kind of be hoping that he keeps up the momentum he had when he was blowing the league apart at the end of last year. Hopefully has a strong off season, not hampered by any like COVID type of issues. And yeah, I'm expecting him to come in strong and beat out his mock draft ADP because you know if he could be a you know 90 point guy like we expect him to be like a couple of years ago that I think will be a lot higher than what people are expecting are you so are you projecting 90 points or are you I mean I could say how bold are we going right now <laughs> I could say 80 and I think that meets the exercise because last year he paced for 70 so I'm gonna say point per game but with upside like I see upside here this is like I think a solid floor and then like upside to go even higher so I'll, I'll put him at where you think Brady Kachuk will be uh, and then I think he though I would expect if we were playing points only I would take Pedersen over Brady Kachuk I mean so they finished around the same spot last year Brady Kachuk younger and just got Alex DeBrinkett on his right side. Definitely has, I mean, I guess it depends on who who goes on the, the other side for Pedersen, but there's a chance that he has, like, that Kachuk gets two better line mates than Pedersen has. Um, you know, Ben, sometimes you just got to look at the player. I just think Elias Pedersen yeah. has the higher offensive pedigree. I think Brady Kachuk's amazing. In, in the cupful where we're counting shots and hits, I'm taking Kachuk over Pedersen all day. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, I'm going to say, if I have to pick a player for points only, I, I see Brady Kachuk as more like a 70, 75 point guy uh, with some upside and then like amazing for the peripherals. You're a little bit higher on him. And uh, yeah, but anyways, this is nitpicking. I like them both, but specifically here, I'm saying Elias Pedersen, I think is going to be a lot better than he was last year and people should account for that in their drafts. Okay, Elon, I'm going to, you asked me to go bold. That's what we're um, here for. I'm going to take another player towards the top of the mock draft board. I'm picking a player who's going at the very end of the first round, but I'm picking him to drop 
in projected points. Roman Yossi going 14th overall in Kakupful mock drafts right now. 23 goals and 96 points last year, including 37 on the power play. Basically, everything went right for Roman Yossi last year. He has a career-high shooting percentage, career-high on ice shooting percentage, career-high IPP, nearly a career-high secondary assist rate, and almost 40 power play points on a team that basically uh, rebounded from being one of the league's worst for like five years in a row. Um, When you look into those numbers on the power play, in Nashville, they finished fourth in power play goals in 2022 behind Colorado, St. Louis, and Florida, but were way lower in expected goals for. They were around, they were just below middle of the pack. So I think they were 17th out of 32 teams. Um, I could see this team. I, I definitely expect this team to not repeat what they did on the man advantage with the man advantage last season. And I think that that really hurts Roman Yossi. I still think he'll be very good next year, but I do refuse to bet on a defenseman who topped a point per game for the first time at the age of 32 going for another 90 point season. And so I see him dropping from a 98 point pace to a 78 point pace in 2023 a 20-point drop for roman yossi that's what i'm saying yeah i'm i'm with you and that's still amazing right like don't forget two seasons yes. ago uh in that covid shortened season he only had 33 points in 48 games so 56 point pace that's the same pace he had in 2018-19 he sort of has been going da- like down up down exactly. up so now if the pattern holds even fall, but falling to 77 would actually be the up from three seasons ago. So I think that's reasonable to not expect Yosi to be like as amazing. Cause like you said, it's like the best he's ever done. It was like later in his career. So I think, and then, you know, there's the, some of the percentages were a bit high. So I'm with you still like potentially one of the top defensemen you could draft, you know, once you're past the Kale McCarr level, but uh, I would not be banking on him that high. And in general, my strategy for drafts is let other people swing on the defensemen, like for the first five defensemen. I'm just going to, to grab those skaters that I think are more sure things because defensemen, it always happens. Remember last year with Chikrin and like Jeff Petrie and some of these guys who we just thought were going to be like so amazing because they were just like amazing the year before and they totally fell off. Like it could happen. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Yosi, but it's going to happen to someone. There's going to be a defenseman that is drafted in like the top five that's going to disappoint us. Who knows who it'll be? Maybe it'll be John Carlson for all we know. Uh, so I, I agree with you that uh, I wouldn't be drafting Yozy anywhere near a hundred point player. That's, that's too, uh, too rich for me. Uh, okay. But since you did a decrease, I've got a decrease for you for my next guy. And I'm going to leave people in suspense because we're going to get to that in just a sec. You're listening to Kevin Carlson. All right. We are back to Ben Burnett and myself, Elon Dubrovsky going back and forth playing dueling Different point paces on keeping Carlson here, where we're trying to predict players who we think are going to have different point paces than they did the year before. I said that I'm going to be going next with a player who I think is going to go down, just like Ben did with Roman Yosi. Give me a guy who Ben just talked about on his recent beat writer interview with Jesse Marshall. I'm going to say Brian Rust. I think Brian Rust is uh, potentially slated for a downtick. Last year, career year. Well, actually, not a career year. Uh, he had a 79-point pace, which is a little bit lower than back in 2019-20. In 55 games, he had 56 points in 55 games, over a point per game. Last year, though, 58 points in 60 games. Uh, but 
The reason why I'm not as high on him, first of all, in your interview that you did with Jesse, Ben, Jesse talked about how maybe Ricard Raquel is a better fit on the top line with Crosby and Gensel. And while obviously playing with Malkin is a decent enough consolation prize, like Malkin's not even going to play all the games and it's just not as good as playing with Crosby and Gensel. So I'm not saying that's for sure going to happen, but that has me a little bit concerned and that would lead me to not want to use a high pick on Rust when I'm not sure if he can hold that amazing deployment. Also, when you look just at last year, he's the opposite of the first couple of guys I brought off. He cooled off. Like he, at the end of the season, only 10 points in the last 19 games for people who were banking on him for their fantasy playoffs. He let them down. I believe Lewis, your co-host, was really bummed out about what was happening with Brian Rust right around the couple playoffs. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so yeah, I just think point per game, a little too rich for me. I'll project Rust as like a 60 ish point guy maybe 65 which probably people will say i'm like too low on him but i don't know i feel pretty confident about it (laughs) like i just you know and i I was wrong i probably thought the same last year but now i think there's like more competition for that top line i guess if you i could reassess right once we see lines in camp and if raquel is like stapled to malkin it doesn't look like anything's going to change then you know that's a reason to be higher on rust uh but yeah he's my next pick as someone i think is going to go down from 79 to like a 65 ish do you recall who Brian Rust played with when he had his uh, career best 83 point pace season? Was that uh, like Malkin? Was that when Crosby it was with Evgeny Malkin? Oh, yeah. That's when uh, that was the Brian Rust breakout was was on was on Evgeny Malkin's wing. Yeah, but I believe Gensel was on the other wing. I believe Crosby was injured and it was Malkin, Rust and Gensel for a lot of that breakout. That's a fair point, Elon. Um, I mean, lots of time spent with Dominic Cahoon as well that season. But yeah, uh, I will say I don't think Brian Rust falls off that drastically. I feel like uh, being on the top power play is more important than than whether he plays with Crosby or Malkin. Um, I think that he'll get lots of opportunity to put up points uh, next to Malkin. And uh, honestly, not a really bad spot for him, considering he's the guy who's going to shoot three shots a game and Gensel commands a lot of shots. Crosby is obviously shooting. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. It might. I could see Brian Rust being just fine next year, putting up seventy to seventy-five. But I also can can understand the uh, the fear in drafting him uh, to put up around a point per game, given that there's a little bit of uncertainty where he plays next year. Mm-hmm. And I guess t- maybe I'm like too much of a Ricard Raquel fan. Like I've always kind of been into Ricard Raquel. So I'm even thinking like maybe Raquel bumps him from the power play. And maybe that's not fair, but like, you know, three years ago we would have been like Raquel, you draft in like the sixth round of your fantasy league. And Brian Rust is not even worth drafting. He's like someone we talk about keeping Carlson when he happens to get on the Crosby line. And obviously a lot has changed over the last three years. Uh, but yeah, so you know what? Let me just patch in with this pick i'm just gonna throw in a raquel also as someone that i think is gonna do better because he he wasn't even a 50 point guy last year and if uh what jesse marshall said comes true and if he does get to play with crosby and gensel i think raquel can do better than 48 point pace he was i always thought he was like super talented and really good and i remember i watched a couple ducks games back when he was there last year and the year before and it just seemed like he was like driving everything he had then he would pass it to one of his line mates and that person would flub it up because like he wasn't playing with anyone who could do anything uh getzlaff was always injured he, he was used to be good when he played with getzlaff when getzlaff was good so i don't know so i'm also gonna throw uh, raquel there as a bonus as someone that i think is gonna do better than he did last year rust down a little bit raquel up a little bit but okay ben back to you who you got for us? Is it going to be another swing or is it going to be an obvious like uh, <laughs> like wow. a Barbashev isn't going to get 60 point pace again? 
Wow. How did, no, I didn't have Barbashev <laughs> on my list. Um, I'm going to go, you know what? We've been talking about a lot of players at the top of the draft board, guys who are going in the top, at least the top, like, hundred or so i'm gonna go a little bit lower i'm gonna go with a guy who again i'm you know we're we're dipping back into the uh the beat writer uh sauce here but i want to talk about anthony mantha who scored nine goals and 23 points in 35 games put up a 51 point pace i don't think that mantha is going to turn into a 80 point player this year or you know become a guy who you need to go out and like, you have to draft him in the top 10, like the top 10 rounds or whatever. Um, But basically he's going to cost you nothing in drafts this year. He's going to be available at the very end, kind of like the David Krejci type situation where you can get him for absolutely no draft capital. And if you listen to my interview with Samantha Pell earlier this year, we were talking about how desperate the, the caps are going to be without Backstrom and Wilson for a chunk of time. TJ Oshie has struggled to stay healthy. He's turning 36. Mantha is likely going to need to be relied on. And whether that means, you know, an uptick in shots and power play opportunities, I just think he's going to have a chance to be the player that he was at times in Detroit next season. And so while I could see this turning into, okay, he gets up to the 55 to 60 point pace. It's nothing wild. I think he has a chance to put up a 68 to 70 point pace. If things Mm -hmm. break right for him playing with, uh, you know, he might get that shot playing in uh, Tom Wilson spot on the top line playing with, uh, I can't remember who's, who's that, uh, who's that guy on the top line. Kuznet, Kuzvechkin. Yeah. uh, Ovi and Kuznet, Kuznetsov. I mean, it's just a a very plush role. Yeah. Okay. I can't disagree with that. It's kind of like my Raquel pick, like someone who's sort of has fallen off. Someone we used to really like has kind of disappeared in fantasy, but the opportunity, like you say, is going to be there at least to start the year. So I like that pick as well. Uh, Sometimes when you're drafting a player also, you don't need to think about their season long point pace, right? You can draft. How about this? Draft Mantha. If he starts hot playing on the top line, then all of a sudden news is starting to come out. Well, maybe then it's too late. But like, you know, once you start getting worried that Tom Wilson's coming back, you know, trade him. Trade him after he gets a hat trick in some game and get an awesome return. Then you got really good value off of that pick. Or whatever, you hold on to him. You get all the value at the start of the year. Then when he falls off, if slash when, then you drop him. So what? You still enjoyed him while the times were good. So I definitely think Mantha's someone you don't want to let go undrafted. I think we're going to see that in training camp, right? We're going to see the line shams is going to be tweeting out at game day lines it's going to be posted at gamedaylines.com and uh, it'll be obvious that you're going to want mantha because he's probably going to be playing like you said in, in a plush role okay so you went to the bottom of the draft should i do the same i don't know okay i, I have so many picks people i want to talk about let me go do a defenseman okay i'm going to do a defenseman i think is going to be better than last year so this might be an obvious one but uh, I'm pretty excited about Miro Haskinen over in Dallas. Uh, you know, Klingberg is gone. Haskinen, it, Ben's making faces. I don't know if that's like, mm, like what a beautiful, amazing pick. Oh, yeah, he's giving me the thumbs. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, Haskinen, like, coming off a pretty boring season, uh, just 36 points in 70 games. That's a 42-point pace. Pretty much the same pace he's had for the previous two seasons. And, that, like, that was actually a career year. Like, he hasn't, he had that amazing playoffs that made us super excited about him when Dallas went to the finals. And he's sort of been disappointed 
disappointing points wise. Uh, you know, when we talked, I talked to Saad Youssef in the Beat Writer series. I got to talk to that, talk about that uh, just a month ago or so. And like he said, Haskinen is like the best like defenseman on the team. Like there's no doubt he plays all the big minutes, and he really expects that Haskinen is going to have a big uptick this year because he's going to take over on the top power play. There's no question. So you know, last year he had 36 points in 70 games, only 11 power play points. Right away, even if you just add 10 more power play points, now all of a sudden we're talking about a 50 point player which is our like for a defenseman that's a really big increase and i also think he has more to give potentially like offensively even at even strength like i just think this is the kind of guy that we're going to a couple years but like remember back when we used to think that miro hayskin was like just a 40 point guy kind of like that charlie mcavoy remember how he was sort of like for a long time just sort of like kind of meh and then like a cu- the last couple of seasons he's really established himself well now he's injured unfortunately but established himself as someone that's like a really high-end defenseman to draft i think we're right there on the cusp with hayskin and this is going to be the lowest you'll be able to get him in drafts for like five six years so now's your chance go get him i'm saying at least 50 i wouldn't be surprised with 55 i wouldn't be surprised with 60 i think the upside is there for as high as i guess robertson and hints and pavelski and all those other guys can take him you know he's going to be dishing to them and he's really talented and it's just a matter of them finishing and they've shown they can and now the klingberg's gone it's hayskinen's turn so that's my pick yeah i love it uh hayskinen is a player that has been very frustrating as a fantasy manager, because if you watch him play hockey, you're just like, oh, my. it's kind of like the Nick Ehlers thing that we talked about earlier, where it's like the, all of the talent in the world, but not really getting the opportunity or the time to uh, to put it all to to use. I guess the one question with Haskinen is what happens when he gets unleashed on the top power play? And does he have the juice to become a you know, a, a John Carlson type of, uh, I'm talking purely point production. They don't look like the same player or anything. Um, but, or does he become a Thomas Shabbat where it's like, yeah, he's good or whatever, but like, he, that's really not his forte is putting up like dozens and dozens of points on the power play. So I think that there's a chance that, especially if you're playing in a league with casuals, make sure you get Miro Haskinen because I feel like his draft ADP is going to be very, very low. Um, if you're playing with with Sharks or or you're playing in the Cupful, I would suspect he's probably going at a point where you're going to have to pay for, for some of the upside. And at that point, I guess the question is just how much of his his raw skill and his talent will turn into point production. And I'd be really curious to hear from a... Uh, from a Cam Robertson or, or somebody, I don't know if you're or a Cam Robinson. I don't know if you'll have him on the show ahead of the the season, Elon, but that's a player I would love to hear, um, you know, from a scout or somebody who, who watches closely, how, how he expects his, his point pace will translate because I mean, we've seen him get 55 to 60% of the power play time uh, for stretches in Dallas. And it really hasn't turned into much. So yeah, I mean, like two years ago, he played 60% of the power play uh, minutes and he put up 11 power play points over 55 games. So you could, I can see it either way. And it, it's really interesting to me. I, the reason why I responded, I reacted so strongly and so highly when you started time at Haskin is because I want that breakout so bad. He's such a fun player to watch at even strength. If he could be a superstar point producer as well, I just think that would be really fun for the league. Yeah. Okay. I, I have a feeling if you talk to these scouts, they all are like drooling over Haskinen all the time and saying how he's such a like beautiful player and like he has it in him. So why no power play points so far? What, what's going on? 
I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, the, the COVID season, throw it out, right? 2020, 2021, when you had a lot of <laughs> Just throw it time. all out. Just throw it all out. It, it doesn't da- fit my narrative. Throw it out. Didn't Dallas, like, not play for, like, the first few weeks of the season? And they probably had, like, a compressed schedule. Oh, yeah. Like, forget that season. That was a crazy season, okay? I don't want to talk that about that. That is true. I do recall that happening. But <laughs> I I, I'm, I also see the narrative shifting. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah right. I, I like that one, though. I, I do think that's a good call. Definitely, uh has a chance to be a, a big mover. Um, I'm going to bring up another big name. And I, I feel like this one, this is one that I, I felt a little guilty writing down, but I just feel like he has to be talked about on this show. Johnny Gaudreau is now putting up 115 points in 2023. Uh, he's not going to score 40 goals. The numbers were inflated in Calgary, but he was also playing on a team that could support that level of production on a line with Matthew Kachuk and Elias Lindholm. It made complete sense that Gaudreau would have the best season that he's ever had, given those line mates at the age of 29. And I still think he can be a star, but does he hit 100 points in Columbus? Does he hit 90 points? Like, I'm probably projecting him for 85, which would be a drop of 30 points in pace, because I really just don't like that fit playing without a number one center, lacking a talented player with a complete game, like Kachuk on the other wing. Like, I know that people are hype about the the Patrick Line opportunity, but like, the reason why Matthew Kachuk is so good is because he does a lot of things that Patrick Line cannot do. Um, and Johnny Gaudreau going to Columbus is it's like, it's not going to be as easy for him to put up points on a team. Like the, I, I know this is very obvious, but I, I just feel like he has to be mentioned on this show. How dare you not call Boone Jenner a legit top line center? <laughs> no, no I, uh, I actually let me say one more thing here, which is that at one point I was listening to you guys talk about the uh, the free agency, uh, the show, mm-hmm. the show after free agency. And Brian was like, what if he doesn't even play on the top line? And it's like, I just had to say at that moment, Johnny Gaudreau's line will be the top line. There's there's no question about that at the very least. But yeah, yeah. How good does how good can he be? I see when I look at the Kakupful uh, mock drafts, he's going at 32. I would probably put him a little bit lower myself. I would probably be drafting Johnny Gaudreau another round or two below. Um, maybe around a, you know what? Around an Elias Pettersson. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Well, yeah, if you look at these mock draft results that, again, Kevin Bear put together for us, good, after Gaudreau, we're getting Jason Robertson, Zabanajad, Evander Kane, Sebastian Ajo. Yeah, I think, yeah, Landeskog. So, yeah, those might be forwards that I'd be a little bit more confident in. You know me. I'm also always a little bit wary about people going to new teams. We were having mm-hmm. a chat on the Discord today. Someone was talking about whether to keep uh, Ehlers or uh, Debrinket. Uh, there were some other players involved. Anyways, I was just saying, I'm a little nervous about Debrinket. Like, not that I, like, not for any good reason, you know? It's like, I think Debrinket will probably be fine. But, you know, when I'm drafting, I'm drafting for the upside. But also, I want to, like, for a super high pick, you know, not take as many risks and want more of a sure thing. And I just think, like, before Debrinket was, like, playing with Patrick Kane, you know, was doing really well. Like, who knows if he'll click with it, with his new linemates. And, anyways, we're talking about Goudreau. So, same situation. Sometimes it takes players a little bit of time to figure things out in a new situation. We can't be guaranteed. We don't know the role. Like with a Goudreau, for sure, he'll be top power play. With Debrinket, I mean, Ottawa has a lot of really good players, right? So someone good is going to get bumped from that top power play. I'm not saying it'll necessarily be Debrinket, but I also don't think it's going to be Kachuk. I don't know if it's going to be Giroux. Is it going to be Batherson? Like, who knows? And there's no point can speculating. I, can or, I jump ahead, in and, and go again? I, I have one more who you've just mentioned, and it feels like a perfect segue here. Drake Batherson, not doing it again. 
Uh, 17 goals, 44 points in 46 games. I really thought when I, when I was making this list, I was like, this is going to be a hot take because his numbers before he came back from the injury, he was pacing for 90 points. Then he comes back from the most frustrating fantasy injury I've ever seen in my life. Elon, you'll recall I had just traded uh, Steven Stamkos for Drake Batherson because of the games played disparity to finish out the year. It would not have worked out for me anyway, because Steven Stamkos went super fuego. And and anyway, I was, I was, I was trying to uh, climb my way back in. I had to take some shots. Drake Batherson though, comes back, puts up 10 points in 15 games and finishes the season pacing for 78 points on the year. I think it's going to be a lot tougher for him to get looks on this team. Um, you know, I mentioned the Kachuk Norris to Brinkett top line that I expect to see. The issue is that now they also brought in, I mean, it's nice to see Claude Giroux come in and be able to be playing with Stutzla and, and Batherson. That's what I expect the second unit to be. And I think that Timmy Stutzla could have a really nice jump this season for sure, but it might be be more in the range for, for Debrinket or sorry for Batherson rather. I think it, this may be tough for him to approach a point per game like he did last year without top power play minutes. And I could see him in the 60 to 70 point range uh, rather than the, uh, uh, you know, like 65 rather than 78. Yeah, uh, I, I hear you. Like Brian and I talked also about Batherson on the last show. Uh, it's like, yeah, we don't know what the deployment's going to be in Ottawa, but probably someone's going to be left out in the cold, or maybe everyone will be. Maybe they'll have two like even power plays, and then just kind of like everyone hurts in terms of their power play production, which might be great for the team and not good for fantasy. But who knows, right? So, so we'll find out what what DJ Smith has has in mind for us. Uh, so, okay, next pick. So, first of all, I made a mistake and asked in the chat if other people have picks, and now people put in some really awesome picks, but I also still have mine that I want to do. So I don't know why I did that. Uh, so how about I'll do one more of mine. And then afterwards, when it's my turn in the future, I'll go with uh, chat room picks because we have some really good ones. But I'm going to end with, uh, I just want to do, okay, I'm going to do two. I'm going to throw two at you right now, Ben, and then you could choose which one you want to talk about. First of all, a down. Maybe this is like an obvious one or maybe not. I don't know. I'm going to say Mason Marchment is not a 70 point player. Uh, that's kind of like the Barbashev one where maybe people are thinking like that's not even such a hot take. But yeah, he had 47 points in 54 games last year. And yeah, it wasn't even on like a top line in Florida. Like it was so impressive what he did. Um, but he had really high shooting percentage, like 15%. He only was taking like two shots per game and he scored 18 goals in 54 games. Now he goes to Dallas. He's not going to be on the top line. Like, I don't know. We'll see who he plays with. Maybe with Sagan. So anyways, maybe that's a boring take. So that's the name I'm going to throw out there. Someone I think is going to go down. And then for someone that I think is going to go up, just a name I think people should remember. I don't think he's going to go up to like his heights of his career. But Sean Couturier is an NHL player in the league, even though it didn't appear like it last year. He played 29 games, only 17 points. So 48 point pace for Couturier. And then he missed the rest of the year with injury. So assuming he comes back healthy, and I know Philly isn't the same. They don't have Giroux on that power play to help Couturier to all those power play points but i still expect him to be more than a 48 point player maybe we're looking at like 65 70 you know as opposed to like 75 that he was before in the previous few years but uh, yeah so he's someone that i think like don't let him go undrafted for sure and probably you're going to be happy if you get him in the middle of your draft yeah that makes sense i honestly don't really have much to add about either of these guys i think the case against marchman is like really obvious um dallas is one of those teams that very clearly has a top unit and they are perfectly suited to playing with each other. So like, even if Joe Pavelski isn't a top 30 
uh, winger in the league at this point, like you would have to be somebody who you would have to suit a very specific profile to make that, to make that line better by, by taking him off. Uh, Mason Marchman strikes me as somebody who, anyway, as I I'm with you there, same as uh, Sean Couturier. I'm actually going to add a player from Philadelphia that I see going down. I don't think it's a strong take or anything, but Tony D'Angelo put up 51 points in 64 games last year, 20 on the power play. Is anyone in Philadelphia going to get 20 power play points next year? I, I don't see this power play being particularly strong, and I don't see D'Angelo putting up many points at even strength behind this team either. I have a feeling Philadelphia is going to be trash, and D'Angelo is going to be stuck in that dumpster. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's as good a situation as Carolina for sure, but I still think he should be good for like 50, 55, just because he's still going to be the top power play defense, and he clearly is talented. And, you know, I know that they're not as good, but they still have like, you know, you look at the top power play, Konechny, like, or I don't know, I don't know who's injured. This team has everyone injured all the time. Konechny, like, wait, is that your, is that your bullet? No, no, is I did. I, the- <laughs> I, I was like going to do a list and then I realized Konechny at one point was injured. But like, okay, Atkinson, Couturier, Konechny, throw in a dark horse, like, well, there's JVR, you know, or like an Owen Tippett maybe. Does this like, sound like a top 10 power play to you? The, I'm not saying it's a top off? 10. I'm just saying that it's not going to get like zero points. Like, I think it's like, they. I don't know, obviously with coaching and we'll see how they do. I, was, I just don't think D'Angelo is going to like totally fall off and like you should avoid him. I do agree with you that maybe he's not like a 60, 65 point guy like he was last year, but I still draft him pretty comfortably as a 50 to 55 point guy. So I guess it depends how far you're expecting him to fall. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'd put him at a 51 point pace and that's a 14, that's a 14 point drop, which is pretty substantial at this, like in, like we talked about obviously players with bigger gaps at the top of the draft where there's a lot uh, less room to maneuver, but like Tony D'Angelo going from the, think about, think back to the teams where he has been successful too. On the top unit with the New York Rangers, the first year that Artemi Panarin was there, incredible power play. And then again, this year on a very, very strong power play in Carolina, like filled with players that we are picking in the top 50. No, I nobody, mean, you're preaching like, to the choir, man. Like that. I know. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're, we're in agreement. He was a good okay. pick for this. Right. But I All guess right. you could say as a counterpoint, those are the two years that he was on a top power play and things went well. So maybe he's actually just like really good in his own right. Who knows? We'll find out this year. Now we'll see Tony D'Angelo on a top power play with not as good players. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. So it's a little bit hard to predict, but definitely I don't think it's as good a situation. So I am with you. Uh, John's pointing out in the chat here, Couturier also had a really low shooting percentage last year, which led to his low uh, point total. And he was playing injured. I think when I talked to Charlie O'Connor in the Beat Writer interview, he was saying like basically you could throw it out. Like he wasn't himself before he ended up getting shut down for the season. Okay, so my turn again. All right, let's do some of these uh, chat room ones. So Nazem Kadri is one that Kevin threw out there. I mean, that's pretty easy if he goes to the islanders i i'll be like last year 87 points in 71 games 100 point pace when's the last time an islanders player had 100 point pace i guess barzal had that good year but that was like 85 or something probably Tavares. did he do it at one point maybe but that was a different islanders team not the super defensive team so if it's not official that kaji's going to the islanders but probably even if he doesn't he's probably not a hundred point player he's never been more than like a 61 point player no he did have a 75 point pace back in 2012 13 for what it's worth in 48 games uh so yeah i think that's a good pick i'll throw a couple at you badges from the chat here so uh lafreniere well ben you're the big rangers fan 
from the interview that you did with Arthur Staple, it didn't seem like he was that confident in Lafreniere even potentially getting into the top six. He had like Kako there and maybe like a Kravtsov and maybe Lafreniere still uh, on on the third line. Do I have that right, Barb? Maybe it's just like speculation. Obviously, we don't know. But obviously, like he could, it's not hard for him to go up. He only had 31 points last year in 79 games. So even just being a half point per game guy would be a huge jump. And we did see him show the ability to be like a half point per game guy in the playoffs. And he's obviously a first overall pick. So he has the pedigree. So I think it's a good pick, but I wouldn't be like, like last year, I think I was like really excited about him. I was thinking like, Oh, this is the time he's going to start the season playing with Zibanejad. I think it was like Kako was with Panarin and Zib- and uh, Lafreniere was with Zibanejad. And I just thought this was going to be amazing. And it really didn't work out. So now, you know, once bitten, twice shy, but he's only 20 years old. So what, you're the Rangers fan here. So what do you think? How high is Lafreniere going to get to next year? Yeah, so I think he's a good answer for this just because the point pace is probably going to be like, I would say jumping from 32, probably like at least, maybe not at least. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he put up a 50 to 55 point pace next year. Um, even even looking beyond the playoffs, which I think are, people tend to get really excited about the playoffs and I don't think that, that makes a lot of sense. But if you extend it into just because of the sample size issue, um, but if you extend it into the regular season in his last 20 games, uh, Lafreniere was on a 45, was on a 47 point pace. Um, and that's with playing 14 minutes a night. So I think that the biggest issue with Lafreniere is like you said, Elon going to be opportunity. I just don't see him getting a ton of minutes on this team. I do think that there's opportunity for him to, to make a mark. Like if, if he breaks camp with the top line, like I think that that's somebody, he's somebody who should be drafted in most leagues. Like he's one of those guys who like, it's kind of funny to put him in this category, but like, I feel like the hype has died down enough where he would be like, do you remember when Jonathan Marcheseau was on the top unit in, uh, in Tampa, like the first year that he was worth owning and fan- rostering in fantasy. And like, uh, if you got him at the last round because you were paying attention in training camp like you had a a great pickup and I feel like Lafreniere could be one of those types of guys where like yeah I don't think even if he's on the top unit people probably aren't getting excited because they've seen him they've seen him get that opportunity before but yeah he looked like a much better player in the second half last year he was putting up a ton of points I mean relatively very high points in a low uh, period of time or low low ice time excuse me so I really like uh, Lafreniere uh, as a Rangers fan. I don't think I'll be drafting him in too many leagues unless he's playing on the top unit, in which case I think he's a very, very good uh, last round uh, home run swing. Yeah, I'm with you. That 2020 draft uh, looking pretty interesting right now. Like, I guess it's still still too early to do a redraft, but like Lafreniere and Byfield, we still haven't seen much from. Both like super young, so that's nothing against either of them. Uh, you know, Stutzla went third, Lucas Raymond went fourth, so it'll be fun to see. And then there's some other big names if you keep going down the list. Uh, so yeah, it'll be fun in a few years to see what actually was the right choice there at first overall and second for that matter. Uh, okay, so Ben, do you want me to throw you some more from the chat or do you have any in your list that you want to get out there? Uh, it's a good question. Um, I do have one player I want to talk about at least. Please. This is a player, Elon, that I, based on some, I didn't think you would be into this player before this episode, but you confirmed it with something you said earlier, which is that you do not like being risky in the top few rounds. I'm going to name the riskiest player in the top few rounds, and that is very clearly Jack Eichel. 25 points in 34 games last year. Um, 
again, if you listen to the beat writer interview with Jesse Granger, he had nothing but good things to say about Jack Eichel's very frustrating first season in Vegas. Um, or, you know, frustrating from the outside, frustrating from a box, uh, box, like accounting numbers uh, perspective. But he suffers the broken thumb in March that clearly takes a toll on Eichel's play. But otherwise, he looked like a really strong player. Also, every player in Vegas was extremely hurt. Um, I am worried about Mark Stone's health. That came up in my interview with Jesse Granger as well. But in 2023, I do think Vegas is probably going to have to score a lot of goals with Robin Lehner out of the picture. And in Kakupful Mox, Eichel was going 28th. I suspect that's a little higher than he'll go in most leagues. I could see him going around, honestly, around where he went last year in like the 40. I guess he was going like 55, 60 last year, as I recall. I could see him going like 30 to 40 uh, overall in in a lot of leagues. And I, I will take him. I'll take him at the back half of the second round for sure. I might go as high as to say I'd take him around 25. Um, this may bust. But the upside is you get a top five player in the third or fourth round. And that's that's very, very valuable. Yeah, you said before you could win your league with an Ehlers pick. That's kind of late. And yeah, I think same for Eichel. Like he has all the upside in the world. He used to be a top 10 guy in fantasy. And I think he can do it also. Like he was also, you know, still recovering when he came back. He had, like you said, he had that injury with his hand, was it? Yeah, broken finger or something. So he was having a, a tough time and he still managed a 60 point pace. But yeah, I think next year. And uh, the big thing also that Jesse Granger said, which I think you, you know, you just touched on is it, a lot of it depends on Mark Stone. Mark, the, the word is he's had surgery and Mark Stone is healthy. Like who knows if he'll be able to come back and be the Mark Stone of old. But if he can, that's huge. And that would also be a reason, by the way, to add Mark Stone to the list because he only had a 66-point pace last year. And if he's healthy and he's playing on the top line with Jack Eichel, that's huge. No disrespect to Chandler Stevenson, but I like uh, playing with Eichel. And then who's the next one, though? Who else is who else is there? Marsh so? Is he going to play on that line? Or I guess Jesse Granger was talking about whether they're going to go with that like classic line of Marsh so, Smith and William Carlson, or like I think split he them said up. they would split it up. Yeah. He's expecting to see some some experimentation on that top line. So yeah, I think that we'll we'll see some new looks, which is really exciting. I think I actually really I mean I think Vegas in general is a Mason mentioned um, in the chat that. Jack, I, or uh, rather Mark Stone is another great pick. I agree with him. Um, and I think that Chandler Stevenson is a guy who who is going to get faded in a lot of drafts because he petered off towards the second half of last year. But what he did in the first half, I'm not forgetting. Like He looked really impressive playing on a team that was otherwise broken. He carried them points-wise for quite a while. Uh, I really like, yeah, I think a lot of players in Vegas stand to bounce back this year. By the way, speaking of Vegas, I don't know if that it's relevant for the you know, topic of this episode, but how about that news that Robin Leonard is going to be out for the season? Wow. So, you know, uh, from that interview with Jesse Granger, it kind of seemed like we should be higher on Vegas than maybe uh, people are. Now that's going to be a hit. Uh, so I guess and Laurent Brossois is apparently still recovering, but word is he's not, like the coach was saying that he's probably not going to be ready to start the year. Maybe he'll need a couple weeks still. Uh, so it looks like maybe Logan Thompson is our starting goalie to start the year. So again, like I was saying before about sometimes just taking a player like a Mantha at the start, maybe not necessarily someone you're going to depend on all season, but grab a uh, Logan Thompson in your drafts. Like he's going to be a starting goalie. Who's next on the death chart while Brossois is injured. I know they have Hutchinson, uh, who is always a, a good guaranteed loss, someone that you want to stack up against when you're playing daily fantasy if he gets a start. So I could see Logan Thompson getting a lot of games 
until Brosois. And even when Brosois comes back, like, he's not even that great. So yeah, Thompson is someone that if he's falling far enough in my drafts, where it's like a pick that I don't need to hold on all year, but just someone that I want to give me value like for the first you know two, three weeks, he's someone definitely to look at. Obviously, you have to look at the schedule. Uh, but okay, so that's, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. Stone and Eichel. Looks like the patrons, like I said, in our mock drafts, they I think they have Eichel in, in a good place. Like, they already have him mock drafted 28, like just after Patrick Kane and Crosby and just before like Timo Meyer, Jack Hughes, Debrinkit, Gaudreau. So definitely, uh, I'm not saying that Eichel's like maybe better than the spot where the patrons are taking, but I know, Ben, you were saying that you think that the patrons are maybe you know, higher on him than the general population will be. So maybe going into your drafts, you'll be able to get Eichel a little bit later. Uh, what else do we have here in the chat? Uh, we have Andrew Kopp. Uno Huim. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that nickname correctly, but... Uh, Uno Huim, who adores my uh, bedroom wall, uh, <laughs> says it's the ideal Zoom background, so... Yeah. So, uh, yeah, hey, good for you. So, Cop has had an interesting stretch these past couple years because he was like kind of a, a nobody, right? Over on Winnipeg. And then all of a sudden, he got into the top six and was doing really well, had that 58 point pace season in, in the shortened COVID season. Then last year, he continued to do well. Then he went to the Rangers, got on a line with Panarin and Ryan Strom, and had an amazing. Oh, wait, no, he didn't. He actually didn't have such a great end. Only six points in his last 13 games. But for, I guess maybe I'm thinking of the playoffs. I don't know. Cop did have a good run anyways on the Rangers. And now he goes to Detroit, where also like David Perron is there. And he's another guy who I wonder if he can keep up what he's been doing. Like Detroit's just a team where on one hand, like Larkin and Bertuzzi have been able to put up great point paces recently. But I don't know. I still feel like skeptical. Like I think probably cop is not like overall he ended with a 60 point pace last year. I'm not drafting him as a 60 point guy. Maybe he's someone that if he's available late, you take him cause he's, you know, been able to do this the past couple of years. So maybe he has it in him, but I don't know what the deployment's going to be. Uh, maybe he'll play on a second line with Perron and who would be the center then a pew suitor, or maybe like cop is the center and you bring Perron and Verana could be like a, good second line yeah i mean yeah so it could be a really good situation for him i don't know if there's a power play opportunity but yeah i don't know he's just like one of those guys maybe it's also like i have to admit like with a brian rust maybe i have a bit inside me where i just haven't like gotten caught up yet to the fact that these are like point producers like big point producers obviously rust is in a different level than cop where maybe i'm like too low on them and it's like just kind of a gut feeling that i shouldn't be trusting but yeah i think cop is a good pick i think he's gonna go down I, I, i think more like a 50 point pace so you're thinking that he's being brought up as a guy who's going to go lower than 60. I assume so. Like I'm picking lower. Yeah, I would say closer okay. to 50 or like 45 50. I kind of think that I kind of like Cop to be 55 to 58 points. Like I don't see him being way off. Like I do think that he gets that second line center role and I think playing between David Perron and Jakob Verana is actually a very solid looking second line. And that's where Andrew Kopp has thrived. That's where he put up a 60 point pace in Winnipeg and a 60 point pace this past season. If there's a player on that top or on the wings who I think is going to see a big drop off. And I don't think this is a hot take. I think it's David Perron. He put up 57 points in 67 games last year. That's a 70 point pace playing, you know, top line on the St. Louis power play that I mentioned was top three in the league last year. Only got 17 minutes a night, too, which is pretty efficient uh, in terms of points. But he had a ton of power play points. Almost half of his points were were power play points. Uh, I just don't see him getting enough of an opportunity to put up points in Detroit. 
Yeah, I guess he's set the bar pretty high for himself with his last few years in St. Louis. So again, like, yeah, just with Detroit, I'm just going to like not be super stoked on these guys. And Perron might be another guy that I'll regret not having taken, but there's other good players you could take in the draft around there. So yeah, I think probably I think of him as like a 60, 65 point guy. So yeah, a little bit lower than the 70 he put up last year. Uh, Who's next? Okay. By the way, Ben, I guess you wanted to not do uh, you specifically messaged me. It was like, is this going to be like a typical keeping Carlson episode or more closer to a short shifts episode? Yeah, what are, uh, short shifts episodes. Those are the thing is, Elon, every time I go on a full length episode with you, I um, leave with like a new ache in my back. Um, <laughs> aged 70 years. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the one thing I did want to say, though, is we have not talked about any goaltenders. And okay. I feel like we should at least give a a, a goalie take. Sure. Just- I. I, be, I did bring up uh, Logan Thompson on on uh, Vegas, but yeah, yeah let's uh, let's each give a goalie a goalie that so this is basically obviously they don't have point paces a goalie that we think will be like wildly different in value from last year to this year. Who do you got? I think Sergei Bobrovsky is going to be bad next year. Um, it's just been a long career of being pretty mediocre or it's been like several years where he fell off i just don't buy into the sudden um the sudden resurgence and he really did fall off towards the end of last season so if i had to guess and i mean in fairness i'm looking at the patron rankings and the adp it's not like he's going wildly high anyway he's going 123 um but yeah i just uh i just I'm not buying Sergei Bobrovsky this season. Yeah, I think it's reasonable. Obviously, Spencer Knight is a really high-end prospect that we're expecting to slowly start taking more and more games, kind of like Saros did to Pekarine sort of at the end of their time in Nashville. So maybe it'll be a similar situation. Uh, okay, let's... Then I'll t- pick a goalie. I got two in mind, okay? Here's an obvious one. So this is too boring. So this won't be my official pick because I think the patrons are already with me. Like, I think everyone agrees. Jake Ottinger... It's, it's Jake Ottinger time. Like, Dallas has no one else to be the backup. Well, they have uh, Wedgwood, and like, yeah, no shade to Wedgwood, but clearly he's being brought in to be the backup. I know Ottinger isn't signed right now, but like, what we saw in the playoffs reminds me a lot of what we saw from Demko a couple years ago in the playoffs, just like really like helping Vancouver win some games that they shouldn't have. And like, I, mean, I know people could say, like, oh, a small sample size up, but I think Ottinger's ready. I think we thought he was really good last year and just he had to start the year in the minors because Dallas had all these other goalies. But all, forget about Hudobin, like, Holby's gone. Like, the, the path has been cleared, and I think that's too obvious. So I'll even move on to maybe a, a hotter take. Wait, I want to I talk about Jake Ottinger for a second. All right, sure. I feel, like, I feel like the playoff hype is getting way overdone here. Like, I hear you, like, yes, just like another freakishly good single series, this goalie was very good in a single series. Uh, that's... That's fine. And and like I think Jake Ottinger will be good, but Jake Ottinger was also good last year. Like he was a 914 save percentage. He got 30 wins in 48 games. Like, yeah, I just don't see a huge gap from the goaltender he was last year going. I don't see a big reason to project him to be a top uh, five goalie all of a sudden just because he had a strong playoff run. Well, I'm, I mean, a big part of it is the games played, right? Like, I'm expecting more games played as an, uh, maybe as it becomes rarer and rarer in the NHL. I think he's going to be a, a volume starter for this team. Like, I but think he played 48 last year. How many yeah. games do you think he's going to play? 55, like 60, like a lot, like maybe amongst them. Like, Scott Wedgwood is not a 1B, right? He's a 2. So mm-hmm. that's how so I see it. I mean, like, 55 is is an uptick, but it's, 
seven, like he played almost every game down the stretch last year. So I just think like, I just don't see a huge gap in the, like, I feel like people are getting overly hype about Jake Hunter. I think he's going to be good, but I don't think that he is, uh, he deserves to be looked at as like one of the top. I think it's projection and people getting over overly excited because of the playoffs. Maybe. Okay. Well, be prepared to throw some popcorn at your phone when you listen to Schmorgoli's board <laughs> in a month because uh, I'm pretty high on him and uh, I'm not going to let you kill that. And, uh, and again, a lot of this is just guessing. So we'll, we'll, the truth will come out eventually and then I'll hopefully be able to just play this to you and make you feel bad about like, yourself. He's going ahead of Ilya Sorokin in Kukupful drafts. I think Ilya Sorokin That's because the game's like played, a, yeah? A Vesna. I, I, okay, that's fair. Yeah, all right. I mean, Varlamov is, look, by the way, I think it makes sense for like Vegas to go after a goalie. I know Varlamov is someone that people have talked about is maybe might be available to Vegas to get. So who knows if like the goalie situation will still change now that it's been announced that Leonard is out for the year. So who knows? And if Varlamov does get traded and then Sorokin all of a sudden doesn't have like a 1B, but it's more like a clear number two on the Islanders. And yeah, then Sorokin also shoots up my list. I think he's amazing. I think if Sorokin was a volume starter, if he played as much as Vasilevsky or Shostyorkin, like I think Sorokin would be like right amongst them in the Vesna conversation for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. But anyways, Andre's not even my pick. I said that was too easy, and you already are saying so. That means you're really yeah. That's, hate I this feel one. like I had some. I had something to say about. No, Andrew. I liked you it. You were saying that there's nothing to say about him. I feel like there's. I feel like there's a bit of brake pumping. That's all. That's fair. Shams is asking like, how many wins do we see him getting? Do we think the stars are going to be good? Like, I think yeah. yeah. Like, oh no, I, I like the stars. I think they're a good team. Like, I, I love that top line. I think uh, while I said that Mason Marchman won't be a seventy point guy, I think he was like a good acquisition. I think it's honestly like fine to like send out John Klingberg. And maybe have like Haskin and take on that bigger role. Like I don't know. I I, I like Dallas. I think they have a, a really solid core, and we'll see like you know how the rest I guess fills out. Like let me just bring them up here quickly to see if there's any uh, move from the off season that I'm forgetting about. Uh, obviously, like it would help if like Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan <laughs> could get a little. That's better. That's the issue yeah. that I have with this team is that there's just a bunch of vets that seem to be taking up a lot of cap space, and they have a lot of really high end horses on this team. But I'm I'm pretty worried about the the mushy middle here. Um, I think that listen, if Ottinger is the guy that he was in the playoffs, then this team could be very good. But I think it'll be because Ottinger's carrying them. Um, and, uh, yeah, this conversation is making me think that I should, since a lot of our league mates from the Bubupful are in this, are in this chat right now, Jake Gottinger on the table. I'll, I'll accept some, uh, I'll accept some trade requests. Oh, okay. I'll I'll take, I'll field some trade requests. (laughs) I should say I won't accept a trade necessarily. They might have some rookie that could come in like Maverick Bork is someone I remember, uh, Saad Youssef was pretty excited about. Uh, who are you? Uh, who are, who's your pick? I feel like this is less interesting than who your pick is going to be. Okay, my pick is going to be Elvis Merzlikens. Okay, so he's another guy I'm excited about as a volume player. They brought in like Corpusalo to be the backup again. I think at this point it's very clear that Corpusalo is just a backup. Elvis had a down year last year, only a 907 save percentage. Columbus like wasn't that good. He like in my beat writer interview about Columbus, it was talked about how like Elvis was really going through some personal stuff. Like a, he saw a friend of his like die last summer uh, which is going to be traumatic uh also columbus by the way brought in a player that we've talked about on this episode johnny goudreau which i think makes the team better maybe capable of scoring some more goals which could maybe lead to some more wins uh also their defense is pretty young 
Uh, so, you know, last year, like maybe there was a bit of a growing pains for like some young players, but now Boakvist is a year older and that's not a guarantee that all of a sudden, just because he's older, he's going to be better. But that's what you hope, right? Like Boakvist, Jake Bean, both got some experience where Rensky has shown he's really great. So I just think like this team is starting to look like, like, oh, they have John- Kent Johnson is going to come in. Like, so I just feels like a team that's like going to be better than last year. And I think Merz Lickens will be like better as an individual. So I think when it all comes together, volume guy, improving team, how could he not be better? So I think he's a really good, um, yeah, he's, I think he's a really good value pick. You're going to get him pretty late in drafts. And I think he could end up being I don't know, similar to a Jake Ottinger, which I guess maybe is saying bad things about Ottinger or it's saying good things about Merz Lickens or both. I think there's, I will push back just on the the concept of like, the team is going to get better. Um, Like we've seen teams that seem like they're young and up and coming, not improve year over year. And sometimes there are stumbles and um, you could see chemistry issues affecting this team as they, they make some big changes. Um, But I think that Elvis Merzlikens to me would be on a list of like, guys who I could see being huge, but he feels like Cal Peterson felt to me last year where it's like, okay, this team could be very good. And this guy has like shown in the past that he has the talent to be very, I'm saying this in a good way, by the way, I'm not saying like, I think he's going to be, he's going to fall off like Cal Peterson did last year. I'm talking about like before the fall off where we were on Cal Peterson, it felt, it felt very similar where it's like, yeah, a young team, really good prospects. Like they, it seems like they could improve and why wouldn't he improve? So therefore he will. And I think that that's a fine take on, on Merzlikens. I just, I think that there's also room for up uh, a drop off in Colum- like I think there's room for him not to improve here because of course he's a goalie and maybe well, there's more to yeah. just him not being an elite goalie uh, that than just having gone through some personal stuff. So I'm just I'm not saying that I don't like Merce Lickens. I'm I actually quite like him late in drafts. That's what I'm saying. I think he's a very good value pick for goaltenders late in drafts. I just don't know that he, I see. I'm I'm definitely not as bullish on him as you are. Okay, well, yeah, who is a sure thing, right, as a goalie? And I guess the big difference with Cal Peterson, the reason why I was like scoffing so much is just like Peterson clearly still, and maybe we didn't believe it at the time, but he still had some competition from Jonathan Quick for who's going to get those sure. starts. Like, I don't see that competition in Columbus, but okay, yeah, ben, let me I'm, put I'm not you... even trying to bring him up in a negative way. Sure. Like, I'm not, I'm, yeah. Got it. So, Ben, I mean, easy to poo poo, and your goalie was a goalie that you think will be worse, but uh, it sounds to me like I'm very curious to know, well, who's a goalie that you think will be better? <laughs> It's since uh, Ottinger and Merzlikens don't make the cut. This is a very fair question. Um, I am, it's actually off brand for me to say a good thing about a goalie. So I'm, I'm, but I will answer your question because I'm a gracious guest. Uh, I, let me guess. You're going to pull like a McDavid. You're going to say Igor Shostyorkin is going to be even better than he was last year. I would never talk about a, a New York Rangers adjacent player uh, and talk about how good they are. Cause I'm not a homer. Having said that, Alexander Georgiev has an incredible opportunity to be an actually very solid player. Like, he doesn't even have to be good at goaltending. He's just going to the team with the greatest defense possible and is looking like he's going to be a volume starter. So, I I mean, how could it not be Alexander Georgiev? I mean, I guess... I just don't see why you say that it's looking like he'll be a volume starter. I was kind of looking at it like a 1A, 1B situation, like him and Francois maybe splitting time. Because that's what people talked about. Uh, the that, that was just the the conversation about uh, uh, around the pickup is that Georgiev is being brought in to be the starter. Um, Francois has not gotten an opportunity yet. Every season, I'm I'm being told that 
if Francois just got the starts, he would be the number one. This team, Jared Bednar, clearly not giving Francois the starts to this point. So I don't see any reason to just be like, yeah, now they're going to give him the starts. It's they, uh, yeah, to me, it's, yeah. it's Georgiev. Okay. I think the upside is incredibly high. Um, I think if it, I, I could, I'm not saying that it's guaranteed and I don't even know if he's good. Uh, but it seems to me that he is being given an incredible opportunity here. And if you can get Georgiev, if you can get the starting goaltender of the Colorado Avalanche in the 12th round, uh, 13th, 14th round, that sounds pretty good to me. I mean, yeah, that sounds amazing to me. I just like haven't wrapped my head around him being like the sure starter. I really thought of it as like, you know, they'll go into camp and we'll see who's better. And maybe it's 50-50. So we're going to have to get Peter Bao back on the podcast and get his opinion. I'll, I'll send him yeah. a message as soon as we're done talking, Ben. And then and we'll see. I would but love yeah, that. If at camp, yeah, there's a ch- either of them. Like I would put either of them, like Francois or Georgiev. If one of them's doing well in camp and the other isn't, you definitely want to get that person in your draft. It sounds like Ben's very confident that it's your give who gets the first well, shot. I mean, like, yeah, I just, I have way more questions about, about Francois. Like, I mean, I have questions I have about que- Georgiev, to be fair. I do too. I was just going to say, I do too, because I mean, I've watched him play most of his career in New York, uh, but that's a team that bleeds shots against. He's going to the exact opposite team in terms of the way that they, they handle defense and the amount of the shot volume that goaltenders are asked to deal with. So I just wouldn't be surprised at all to see Georgiev become like your average, like the Cam Talbot type of guy, but with all of the wins, you know what I mean? And by Cam Talbot, I mean like just average stats, but like, um, but with Colorado type win. Hey, I mean, that's like maybe a Darcy Kemper even like Kemper was like amazing last year for fantasy, even though maybe he wasn't like the most reliable goalie Mm -hmm. for the team. But sometimes he would win like six to five or whatever. All right, Ben, this has been a blast. But mm-hmm. I believe we've come to the end of the show. Yes. Uh, a lot of good suggestions here in the chat. So obviously the patrons and most of the people in this chat, I think everyone here in this chat is basically a patron and an active patron in the Discord. So let's uh, keep the convo going in the episode discussion channel. If we want to talk about some more players and debate uh, who we think will be better or worse than last year. It's really a wild time. We're in the middle of August. Like I said at the top, before you know it, it's draft season, baby. Like Kevin Carlson's about to go into like, you know, full force with our classic you know like i said more goalies board is coming we're gonna get dom lucision on a show to talk about projections we're gonna do our making fun of the yahoo rankings like all the classic episodes are coming before you know it uh oh we're gonna have victor nuno to come on to talk about calder candidates we're waiting for some vegas odds to drop so we can go through those like like we always do uh and yeah of course the the big thing happening like I said at the top, cupfuls. This is the league. This is the league you want to play in if you want to play in a competitive league and feel like you're getting the most out of your fantasy experience. I like we're gonna like you should even see the the tools that Kevin is building. Like for people who played last year, this year's gonna be so much better. Like I, I'm so excited for you to see what Kevin is doing in terms of like you're, we're gonna have this like site. I, I don't want to build it up too much because it's not like completed yet. But I think it's just gonna be so amazing to see like all the resources you'll have to see like how you're doing, like which players are added more or less than other players. I'm monks like you know throughout the 30 plus leagues that we have so it's going to be really wild uh we're we're right now asking on the discord for volunteers of co-commissioners we want to have even more like engagement in each league we're going to have people like watching over each league making sure things are going well and you know they'll report up the chain if something really big happens that one of the top commissioners need to deal with but you know like you're not going to be in some league that no one's paying attention to you're going to be in a league with like a league chat that's being kept active uh you know it's gonna be fair it's gonna be fun okay so (laughs) that's enough pitching uh go to 
keepingcarlson.com slash patron sign up to be a patron and then uh, we'll give you all the info you need to uh, get into the cupful uh, Ben oh one last thing we need to do we mentioned at the top of the show that this episode is presented by Dauber Hockey and we've got five guides the Dob- the famous Dauber Hockey guide that normally you have to spend what 10 50 it's like not that expensive like if you don't win this giveaway you should probably just buy one <laughs> but, I think it costs fifty nine thousand dollars fifty yeah so you definitely need to uh, join this so Bren, have we I think the plan was to come up with a hashtag related to mm-hmm. this episode and then people will tweet at us with the hashtag yep you know what but, you know what I would like better than a tweet is like what about a five star review on iTunes with okay if you leave us a five star review on iTunes with the hashtag that's worth two uh I don't know what no that's not fair okay either a tweet with the hashtag or a five-star review with the hashtag uh we'll look at both and then we'll enter you into Wait, the why draw don't, why is it unfair why don't you just do the why don't you just make it worth two I don't know I was thinking maybe someone's already given us a five-star okay if you tweeted uh, us and you're like hmm. by the way I already gave you a five-star review before that'll also count as two Okay. Let's make a second hashtag for, for people in that situation. So we got to come up with these hashtags now. Do you have yeah, anything? I, in mind? I have the first one already. I, number one with a bullet, hashtag ought or not. O E T T O R N O T. Ought or not. Oh, uh, and let wait, us know. Sorry. Let us know if you're if you're into Jake Ottinger as a top uh, top five goalie in in drafts or no. Okay, but how hashtag. do you spell it? I, I feel like this is hard. O E T T or not. Oh my god! I feel like some people are going to do O E T or not. I mean, because hot or not is like three letters. I feel like it would be easier if it was that's like. That's why I'm spelling it, Elon. O E T T. It's not easy to get into this draw. Okay, maybe we'll all search for the other hashtag also. But O E T T or not is is one hashtag that you yeah. can use. And you said you had another one in mind. <laughs> no, I have the first one, but the second one has got to be for people who are not who have already left a review. So it's got to be. Um, Hashtag uh, five stars in my heart. Okay. Uh, I wonder <laughs> if that's already something that's out there. I'm pretty sure ought with two T's or not is, is something that we can definitely claim to be our own. Five star- So is five stars spelled with a five or is it the number <laughs> five? Uh, I think it's got to be with the letter, right? Or no. Yeah, number. Okay. Hashtag- I'm just searching right now. Five stars. So you're saying the number five. Okay, yeah. this is good podcasting here. Five stars. This is really good podcast. In my heart. Is it like heart spelled like Carter Hart? <laughs> or are we doing heart? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Because there are four uses of the hashtag. All right. H-E-A-R-T. So you have two options to join this giveaway. And you could either do it with a five-star review, which is worth two entries. Or with a tweet, which is worth one entry. And the tweet, though, if you include a screenshot of a five-star review you've done at some point, and, and we'll, I guess we'll trust the person that that's actually there. It's not just not screenshotting a random five-star review. Okay. Anyways, that's all that. And your two options are ought or not, which is spelled O-E-T-T or not, or hashtag five stars in my heart, which is the number five, then stars in my heart like Carter Hart. <laughs> So uh, we've made this really easy for everyone. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope uh, you win the giveaway. I'm talking to you. The, the per- you know who I'm talking to. I hope you win the giveaway, okay? Uh, and yeah, please subscribe to Keeping Carlson because like I said, we've got a whole bunch of shows coming. Still more beat writer interviews and some other fun content. Ben, thank you so much for coming back on. So excited for you and Lewis to get back to Short Shifts episodes, I guess come October, where twice a week for people who are new listeners to Keeping Carlson, Ben and Lewis do wish Brian and I do a mega show on Sunday, which we're going to split in like part one and part two next year. We get you started for the 
the week. And then obviously we need some updates midweek. So Ben and Lewis drop a short show on Wednesday morning and a short show on Friday morning to make sure you're totally up to speed and making the you know optimal fantasy moves based on everything going on. And it's always amazing. It's called Short Shifts. Uh, all you need to do is subscribe to Keeping Carlson on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. You're gonna get all you're gonna get all the shows. It's gonna be the best. We're gonna have a good time. So that's that. Uh, KeepingCarlson.com slash patron, of course, uh, I already mentioned. So I guess let's cue the outro music. Uh, I uh, Normally, I, I cue to Brian to read the credits. Ben, do you have any, instead of reading the credits, do you have any, any final thoughts you want to share before we say goodbye? I, um... Should people follow you, Jay? They want to pitch? Do you oh, want yeah, to you check out? Me, you didn't let me plug myself. Plug, please. The credits um, are playing. Check me out on... Uh, listen to short shifts thank you brian and elon thank you to dauber for sponsoring and and sending us the uh these guides to give away we're really excited to do so and thanks everyone for listening i'm very excited to get back to regular podcasting again very soon and oh my god draft season greatest time of the year very excited yeah i've already like pointed out so many players that i'm like thinking that i like that i'm just hoping that they'll fall in my drafts but it's gonna be like too many i'm not gonna be able to get them all and like uh it's very exciting to start thinking about it uh but yeah thanks again everyone for listening and until next time just remember that if you have a moment try to do everything you can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone bye